There is no passion to be found in playing small or in settling for a life that is less than the one that you're capable of living. That's from Nelson Mandela. This is Walking Your Talk, a personal development podcast about leadership, authenticity and courage. I'm Carolyn Taylor, and I've spent my life working with leaders in organizations on how to change their culture. But this is much more personal. If you want to be known as someone who walks your talk at work and beyond, then this podcast is for you. So welcome to this week's edition of the podcast, which is a special edition where I'm going to interview someone who I think absolutely personifies that quote from Mandela about passion and playing big. And the whole company that she's involved in has that philosophy of pursuing excellence and decided that that would be the reason for looking at culture as a way of just getting better and better. They were not in a lot of trouble, as she will tell us. They were in a good shape, but they wanted to improve. And I think it's a great story. Uh, her name, my guest, is Paula Haraka. She is the head of people and innovation for one of the seven big business units in ArcelorMittal, who is the world's largest steel manufacturer. They are based in Brazil. Paula is based in Brazil, and they have been on a culture journey now for about 18 months, which I personally have been involved in, my company was involved in, and I have watched some very interesting things happen. That is why I invited Paula to come. In particular, the story that she tells about how she was able to turn what initially was a desire to become less traditional. They're a very traditional organization and they were worried about not attracting younger people. And so how could they become less conservative and how that got turned into a real opportunity to get a strategic edge. And that's what this story is about. So I am pleased to bring this podcast to you and Paula will be entering the studio now and we'll be talking together. I have with me today, Paula Haraka. I'm so pleased that you're able to join us and I'm really looking forward to you sharing with everyone who is listening from the Walking the Talk podcast because you've just got a great story. And maybe as we get started, a little bit of history, Paula and I have actually worked together. So my organization, Walking the Talk, has been involved with her, with Arcelomitel. And what I particularly wanted to involve you in Paula, was because I think the beginning of your story is so interesting, how you got the executive team to come around to this. So welcome. It's great to have you with us. And I think that's where I'd love to start. How did this begin? Because it was I know it was your passion that got this started. What was your original motive? What did it become afterwards? How did it all happen? Hello, Caroline. It is a pleasure to be here and to share some experience of our cultural journey. And yes, you know the story from the beginning. It is really inspiring because uh, we are dealing here with a very, let's say, challenging scenario. We have ArcelorMittal. We are the steel leading company. And uh, both if we look in a worldwide perspective and also in Brazil, where I'm based, and a couple of years ago, we started perceiving that we needed to address our culture 
and bring it to the top management agenda. At that time, we were living in a very good situation. We had just acquired one of our main competitors here in Brazil, the third player of the market. And we were strengthening. We were very in a very good position, leading position in the market. So we were in a very good moment, both in terms of competitive position and also considering our business, our financial performance. We had no need for changing anything, anything at all. However, we looking internally at our challenges, we start perceiving our turnover start to raise. And this is something very, this brought an alert to us, mainly when we get the exit interviews and some comments related uh, to culture. So culture bringing, starting to become an issue in our agenda that we had never addressed it before, never ever in our hundred lives. We, we are a centenary company becoming hundred years uh, on 2021. So Well, I remember when you and I first met, that was the first conversation we had. You were talking about the fact that you were worried you weren't attracting younger people and that you know you might be seen as being too conservative or too old-fashioned. That was your starting position. And from there to where you've moved to, I think that journey is so interesting. So yeah, tell us more about how it evolved from there and how the executive team perhaps changed their view about what really mattered. Indeed, Caroline. And, and how, how did we do that? So uh, at that moment, uh, we had this clear perception that our past victories are no guarantee for the future. This is something that is a very strong characteristic at ArcelorMittal. We are deeply committed with pursuing excellence and we have bold ambitions. This is something very good, very positive. And it was even confirmed during our cultural diagnosis together with you. So right after that M&A, what we start doing was to bring these elements that we were identifying. So facts, data, we are a hard company, pragmatic company, and we needed to bring this data to our leadership. So I share in a very high level agenda to our CEO and some key executives and we opened this uh, high-level reflection moment where my provo I provoked them in, in terms of, is our way of doing things generating the impact that we want in order to leverage our strategy? We want to be a solutions company, not a commodity company. We don't want to sell the river, the steel on a track. We are aiming at high-added value solutions do we have the right behaviors to leverage our strategy? Is there anything that we could do or that we could stop doing and start doing something new in order to become better in the future? And, and what would be the cost in the next year if we stay still? Because we know our market is very competitive and our competitors are not still. So all the provocations and the, the questions that we, we raised, all this moment was to bring and to connect to this bright side of our culture, that we want to become better. This is very strong for us. So this moment that we created with top, very top leadership to expand our awareness regarding the need of change. Yeah. And there's a couple of things I'd like to pick up on that, because I think the 
what specifically you did? I mean, I, I know that you have passion. You know, I've seen you work, so that must have made a big difference. But what was interesting listening to you there was two things. One was that you played on the existing strength, which is a belief that you know, what made us successful in the past won't in the future, which the company already had. So that feels like an important thing. And then the second thing is the way you linked it to the change in strategy you know, from commodity to solution. So you're moving suddenly from, we're just a company maybe that we're not hiring enough, you know, we're not attractive to younger people, that suddenly you're shifting it onto a strategic platform. And I imagine that caused Jefferson, the CEO, and others to change their view, maybe, of what, how they saw this. Was that how it worked? You know, when a company is in a leading position and we are very good at doing things and we are, who knows more about steel? We do, but we don't know everything about being customer-oriented, being leaner, being higher value. Yes, we are looking and we are working on that, but we can learn from Amazon. We can work from Apple. We can learn from many other companies. So this moment to bring them on, on, a, on a challenging thought, how can we go beyond? How can we become better? This is something that, as you, as you mentioned, has a connection with our passion of improving. We both uh, share many thoughts together, and, and we were sharing before. We know that human beings, we change motivated by, by two main fonts of change, of movement, of doing something different. One is the, the need. We have a need of changing something. And sometimes we have the passion to change. We like to change. We want to change. This is something inside out. <laughs> a need normally comes outside in when we have a threat from the market or from the environment, normally, generally. And in this case, we didn't have the external threat so explicit. Of course, the, the, the threat is there because the, the world is changing at a very accelerated pace. We cannot ignore reality. Reality is there. We, we can choose to ignore, but it is there. So everybody's evolving. Everybody's looking better ways of doing things and becoming closer to their customers and being a better company. But for us, the passion, this movement, we really want to, to, to manage this. We want to lead change. We want to be protagonists of our journey. We don't want to be forced to blindly change in a point of time without managing, without doing anything intentionally. So this was the, the main trigger, to put the intention and to put ourselves as leaders of this strategy as well. So that, I think, is such an interesting thing for people who are listening to think about, you know, that this doesn't necessarily come out of need or or a problem that you, the concept that you're actually deliberately positioning yourself to be ahead of the market and using culture to do that. So that's, I think, one of the things that I, I really love to see when we did get together and started to talk about this. And, and of course, we were involved. And one of the questions I did want to ask you then is when having decided you were going to do something, first of all, what, what was the decision about needing an outsider? So when do you think you need outside help? When do you generally think people need it? And then Particularly, you know, what was it about the way that walking the talk was working that that appealed to you? Because that might be useful for others to learn about when they're looking for a partner. What are they looking for? This is a very key point, Caroline, because I see and I participate in many forums 
and I perceive many people speaking about culture. All of a sudden we see specialists on culture, culture like popping, like popcorn. <laughs> Some consultants I know from several years now, they became culture experts. And culture is a very deep issue. Of course, it is a relatively young discipline when we compare with marketing and with other management disciplines. But it is a very specific topic and a very deep topic. So normally companies and organizations like us that are starting a journey do not have this competence internally because the competence is not only theory, it, it comes from experience, from having lived this transformation journey in, in other situations, other scenarios, other cases. And this is very important. The, the, the external, independent on who, but the external help is required in order to have three elements that for me are key. The first is to bring a neutral element, a neutral observer, a neutral support, a neutral partner, because everybody is part of the culture. I am part of ArcelorMittal culture. I am having the cultural elements that, that we are trying to change as well. So we are all uh, at a certain point not perceiving this because it's so natural. Imagine for me that I am part of the company since 17 years now. So it's very natural for me, both the bright side as well as the shadow side of our culture. So the, the neutrality. The second element is to bring a technical authority on the matter. And this is my reflection on the importance of choosing the right partner, because this is a movement that is so deep and so challenging that if, if you get a partner that is very shallow, you know, very uh, light and superficial, you, you don't get the, the really elements and deepness that is required to do a serious and a real cultural journey. And the third element brings the learning need. It is a competence that most companies do not have, as I mentioned. So we are all learners in this journey. I am a learner. I'm learning a lot. I'm actually loving culture. But this is something that is very specific and needs to be bring this, this uh, competence and know-how has to be brought internally to the company, but somebody from the outside, and especially somebody that will teach how to fish, how to catch the fish and not to give you the fish already on the plate. <laughs> I like that analogy, <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, and that brings me to the choice. Why did we choose a walk in the talk? Actually, I have to go a little bit behind in my timeline because I met you and I, I shared this with you already, Caroline, in 2005. So 15 years that I, I know you. You now didn't know me. We're both me. letting us how old we both are. <laughs> yeah, because I bought your book. I remember it was in Argentina, also at Arthur Mittal at the time. And we were preparing a change management process. And I got to your book in Spanish. So I bought. And then after bought, uh, buying the book, I read it. And, and I really connected with the methodology. You know, the be, the do, the have levels of the human beings and the three uh, core elements, uh, speaking of behavior, symbols and system. This is a very deep and a very holistic approach. And, and it is presented by you in a very simple and a very structured way. So this is very helpful for many organizations because especially organizations of our size that are complex, many areas, many variables, this issue has to be connected to the business 
and has to be connected in a very simple way, easy to understand for those who are not experts. Yeah, they're very uh, pragmatic, your team, aren't they? Very. Yeah. Yes. Indeed. And, and you have that, Caroline. You mentioned that in one of your podcasts. I remember when you speak about yourself, you have this characteristic and your team walking the talk has this characteristic. I believe that besides the reputation, because you have more three decades or more, specifically working, totally focused on cultural transformation. This is key. This is what we appreciate. We, we did a, a, when we start the process and you know, we have a severe a procurement and, and compliance program. And we had five different consultative companies, top, top ones on, on the world. And you came with a very fit for purpose proposal for us in terms of what we needed to develop. You are really partners. You walk side by side. You are not entering the company and pointing to with a finger like you are guilty. No, you are opening our eyes and supporting us through all the way, very aligned with the business strategy and also giving the autonomy. This is very good. You are not the partner that uh, it's like mommy or daddy. No, you're really challenging us to really take over the issue and become owners of the subject. So you're very generous. You share the knowledge and the methodology. This for me is, is very important for such a, a challenging issue. Well, thank you for that. And thank you on behalf of the team in Brazil, because they're the ones who've done all the work there. It's really nice to hear that. So I think what would be fascinating then to hear, having then made that really strong tie, having got the passion with the team, is, you know, what have you achieved? Because what has it been now, a year, two years? I'm trying to think, where, where do you think you are now? What, what's been achieved? What are you seeing as the next steps? How are you seeing it impact your business? And particularly that move from commodity to solutions, which is which is the strategy you're looking to implement. Yes, Caroline, we are one one year only. It seems like is a longer one journey. Year? It's because of COVID, <laughs> isn't it? My goodness, yeah. I can't even remember yeah. what life was like before then. Indeed, it was pre-pandemic that we went together. You you came to Brazil. We were in in our ASO lab, our uh, open innovation lab. But uh, if I have to sum up our top three or, or five, I would say, achievements. The first one is that now we do have a deep knowledge, a deep understanding of what is our actual culture, both looking at the strong and, and the weak side of it. And this is key. We know where we are. We know where we want to reach. So this is giving a clarity on the journey and it's giving us the elements to move forward. So this is the first step. The second step uh, goes in three levels. I believe that in individually, in terms of the teams and in terms of the organization as a whole, we are at a very good level of self-awareness. And this is very important. The, the culture issue is always on the table. Everybody's becoming awareness, of course, in different levels. Some are more aware, others are, are starting to become, but the topic is alive. And this is very important because I will bring this with the third achievement. It is not a cult, an HR issue. And this has been a, a very good achievement for the first year. We, we manage and we are managing. I, I will correct my, my verb here, ING, we are doing, the, it's, it's still on process. But we are doing a very good job, in my view, Caroline, together with, with the support of Walking the Talk, to 
make it a business topic, a business agenda. And the business is the owner. This is key. A couple of weeks ago, Jeff Song, our CEO, was doing a live that we call Life Culture, just to strengthen that our culture is alive. And it was uh, 40 minutes, one hour a conversation with all the leadership team of the company, 500 leaders, all leaders from supervisors to top management. And he was doing check-in and check-out with the people, not me, no one from HR. And we were doing the briefing and he said, but Paula, I am going to do this. Normally you do it. I said, yeah, but this is not normal. This is something new. So, <laughs> and he did it and it was so powerful. All ArcelorMittal is now speaking about check-in and check-out. And it's not the check-in and check-out. It's the how. He did it in such a humble way. So genuine, legitimate, and so honest. Look, we are learning. We have to really, I want to know how you are. And of course, here we have 500 people. So we will use this QR code. We will do it on, on technology. But I expect you to do it face-to-face uh, 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 -face and speaking to your teams. So this has been very powerful. Yes. And this is a third element that I will, a fourth, uh, simple changes. We are implementing quick wins actions that are very powerful. So it is a symbol that we are uh, launching in the company, starting to become alive and deploying naturally to all the levels and areas and, and, and cities where we have our teams. So this is very positive because people are seeing, they're living, they're feeling, they're, you know, five senses. Culture is, is starting to reach them in all five senses. Yes, and, and that's finally, in a year. That's interesting. Over a year, you've achieved that. And interesting you use that word humble because it's yeah. sounding like the first the first visible sign of change is, is a, a sense that it's safer for people to speak up. It's You're creating an environment where people can learn together and learn to change their behavior together and learn to become more customer-centric together. And Jefferson is leading that. I think that's a powerful message if he's now saying, this is about me as well. Your, your name, walking the talk, says it all. We cannot move anybody. We cannot change anybody. We change ourselves. And, and we, in the process, while we start changing at ourselves, we inspire others to change. That's what we do as leaders every day, perceiving or not. So this movement is very clear for us and, and this is how we are dealing with that. And, and I would bring as a fifth element, the commitment. The commitment is, is at a very good level, but I believe one of the key of the, the commitment has to do with this exact reflection that you brought, Caroline. I'm sitting next to the leadership team as another learner with them. I'm not working uh, for them or, 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 or giving orders or, or, or saying how they should behave. This is not my, my role. This is not the HR role. We are there learning together. We are all learners in this journey. And this is very important because the tendency of the human being is judgment. We tend to judge. We tend to look at our leaders and expect them to be superheroes. And this is very wrong from, let's say, our side between commas uh, in terms of followers of HR teams. We need to be humble as well. We need to put ourselves in the same level of, of a learning journey, the same mindset, 
supporting, helping. So our backstage work is very strong. And this backstage work has to do, as you said, to give psychological safety for people to start bringing this vulnerability, this uh, mistake and, and uh, tolerance that indeed in our case is another challenge because this is our shadow part of the, the culture. We are, we have been trained during years to be superheroes. So now we have to say, okay, we don't want to be superheroes. We need to, to be able to discuss our problems and share them together and learn together. And this has been very good. That's right, because that was a part of your diagnostic, wasn't it? And, and to become more customer-centric in a way, you need to, to be less of a superhero and more of being able to talk solutions with your customer. I remember there was a link right through to the customer on that. So that's really interesting that that's been the first year's achievement. And that feels, you know, as you say, it is only just over a year and it's been a pandemic year. It's, that's a long way to have come in a year. So what do you see is next? What's, what's the next stage, do you think? Next stage, Caroline, has to do with this increasing this ownership level by, by all collaborators, all employees. So this is something that we are expecting to do in our leading the culture approach. We are working in, in the three ways. We are leading the culture, managing the culture, and also influencing our culture in a bottom-up approach. But this ownership naturally is strengthened when it comes top down, when, when people see leaders increasing their ownership. So this is now the, the next step where we are focusing. So leadership development and, and bringing tools. We, we are launching, Caroline, next week, an app that is cultural journey. And it's a toolkit for our leaders where we have some virtual rooms for uh, sharing learning experiences, sharing good practices that they are implementing. So we are empowering, you know, the two behaviors we are focusing. One is empowerment and the other is customer focus. Yes. So we are giving all the information and many tools, empowering them to multiply and reach all our teams. Of course, it is a maturation process. It's not something from day to the night, and we know that, but we are giving and supporting them, giving the tools. Second challenge is that as you mentioned, this has to reach outside. I believe there is a strong connection between culture and brand. Ultimately, our employee experience will be translated into the customer experience that we want to offer as a strategy and, and as, a, as a business. So when our impact reaches not only collaborators, but also customers and communities where we are being part and we are co-creating a better world in all our 50 cities that we are present here in Brazil. This is something that we are very focused, EVP, branding, reputation. We have several actions, but the ultimate outcome will be when customers, when communities and collaborators, they perceive Asalomito as a company that they want that it exists. That will be the ultimately recognition from our outside in. They, they perceive this coherence and this consistency in what we are offering in terms of a solution proposal and internally to our collaborators and, and our partners. 
So there's some real insight, I think, for people who are working out how to measure the impact of culture, because you're saying in the end, the measure is how the outside world sees you. Indeed, and, and this reflects in NPS, so with the net promoter score of our customer experiences, in terms of community satisfaction with our activities, in terms of, of what we are doing beyond ArcelorMittal, how are we transcending, especially in a moment as this, that it's really demanding from companies to become more and more responsible and really go beyond. So this will come as, a, and, and it is not a recognition, Caroline, in terms of awards or, or egos. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the, the we are ultimately being chosen by a human being in different ways, as a customer, as a collaborator, as a, a capital investors, as communities. So if they are choosing us, is that we are really doing the things in, in the way that we expect to do. Yeah, I so agree. So that's, that's the ultimate yeah. piece. I'm going to yeah. ask you one last question, actually, a more personal question, perhaps to inspire some of the people who are listening, which is what impact has this had on you personally, on your career, but also on who you are as a human being? going through this journey? Caroline, I'm being deeply touched by this journey. I am learning, I am unlearning and relearning, like Alvin Toffler uh, reflects. This is my process right now. And I would say that one of my big lessons, of course, is something that might seem common sense, but for me is having a lot of sense, is to really be careful and pay attention to my own coherence. Even in the simple things, we tend to look at ourselves and, and we assess ourselves in terms of our intentions behind everything that we do. But others, they have different perceptions and they assess our behaviors as leaders, as HR team, but personally as Paula, Paula leader, Paula executive, Paula that is a, a, a mother, wife, they perceive my, myself as, as how do I behave and how, what do I tolerate and what do I encourage? And this is something that I'm very careful in a very frequent way, I would say. I'm, I'm very reflectful on that, paying attention and, and being very careful of what messages I am sending and try to adapt. This is a, a, a continuous exercise. I would say that this is a lifelong journey for me and for many of us, yeah. but I would like to share this because it, it is touching me in a very deep level. And I believe I will, uh, this is one of my biggest learning in my experience at ArcelorMittal because it's touching me in a very uh, deep level. So what started off as a professional imperative has actually become a personal growth story, which is of course what this podcast is all about. And I, I love that was one of the reasons I really wanted to have you today, because I think you're an inspiration as to that part about how you lead this culture stuff better when you are really deeply immersed in it yourself. And I think that's true of you. And I think it's true of your CEO. So really, I wanted to commend all of you for what you've done. And thank you for sharing. I hope that the listeners have got something from someone who's been doing this. As you say, it's only been just over a year. So come a long way. Thank you so much for being with us, Paola. It's been great to have you here. Thank you, Caroline, for the invitation. And we keep sharing and learning together in this lifelong journey of our life. We do, don't we? Okay, great to see you. Bye.
Thank you. Bye. So reflecting on what Paula shared with us, I wanted to conclude this podcast by encouraging you to pursue that dream. If you have the passion, and I know that many of the listeners here do have that passion for culture, and you know it could make a difference in your organization, don't think too small. And work on, as we heard in that story, work on what is the link to the business? What is the link to the strategy? How can I make this a more strategic and important initiative so that I really capture the attention of the leadership group and get them owning this themselves? Because once you do that, you can steer it anywhere. And that was my intention in bringing Paola to you today. So I hope you got a lot from that story. And I will welcome you back next week where we will continue on the normal series, which at this point is on prioritization. Meanwhile, if you'd like to continue this conversation, contact me on LinkedIn, Caroline Taylor, and we can discuss it some more. Thank you for listening. And I hope you're able to apply this and get some good benefit on your culture journey. Bye for now.